Hello, church family. Merry Christmas, church family. Merry Christmas, church family. Man, I got to start breaking it out while I can. I got to not forget to break it out. We take advantage here. First Sunday of Advent. It's good to be together, isn't it? I, I feel like I have so much to say that wasn't planned, and so I'm actually not going to. But just, just know that like, I'm thankful to be here this morning, thankful that you're here, thankful for each of the people. It's okay. It, oh, kids, yes. I, I was thinking of something else. Kids, K through five, you're dismissed. You're welcome to head back there to the back corner. Have a great morning. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, just blessed to be up here, blessed to have you with us at Faith Church, and thankful for uh, all that's gone on in our gathering this morning already. Uh, so easy to see when God is the one in charge. So easy to see God weave threads of uh, themes and, and hope and uh, things that only He can orchestrate. So anyway, Merry Christmas, church family. Do you know, and I think you do, because we talk about it all the time, do you know that God wants to work in you? Do you know, church family, that God wants to work in you and through you? How does God want to work in your life? This morning, the next few days, all your days? How does God want to work in your life? How does God want to work through your life? How does God want, to be, want you to be a conduit of his love to those around you? How might Jesus be working in your life so that you would be able to live out the ways of Jesus in the midst of those who need Jesus? Faith Church family, do you know that God wants to work in you? And through you? How does God want to work in your life? And, and if you know, are you ready? If you know he wants to work in you and through you, but, but you're too busy, you're too distracted, you got too much going on, you're just checking the box of religion because it's December 3rd and it's Advent season and you think you ought to be here, dot, dot, dot. Are you ready for God to work in you and through you? Do you come to gather with God's people expectant? Do you connect with God daily in your own life, looking to him in his word, talking with him in prayer, coming to him expectant? If you know that God wants to work in you and through you, are you ready for him to do so? What about this? Are you willing? If you know... Are you ready? If you're ready, when he says something, are you willing? What pops up to your mind if you thought God was calling you? If you, if you knew God was coming to you and wanting to work in you and through you, and, and what, what pops to mind is there? What creeps in? What's maybe not from the Lord? I'm not adequate. I'm not worthy. I'm not prepared. I'm certainly not qualified. Are those the things that creep in? 
If you know that God wants to work in you and through you, are you ready? And if you're ready, are you willing? And if you're willing, that's it. Humble, willing, available. We're in a series of messages called Son of the Most High as we work our way through Luke chapters 1 and 2. And I want you to open your Bibles and turn with me to the gospel according to Luke chapter 1. This is one of the four gospel books of the Bible that tell the story of the life of Jesus Christ. So in the, in the latter third of your Bible is the New Testament. The beginning of the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospel stories. I want you to find your way to the gospel according to Luke. Have it open on your lap or on your device so you can follow along and we can hear from God's word together in Luke chapter 1. Last Sunday, as we kicked off the Son of the Most High series, the angel Gabriel told Zechariah that his wife Elizabeth would have a son. Now, what was unexpected about that? Gabriel, the angel, showed up to Zechariah and said that his wife Elizabeth was going to have a son, even though what? Old. You guys are, man, that's kind of like disrespectful word. My Bible translation says advanced in years. But you can call it old if you want. They were old. I mean, advanced in years. And she was barren. Years and years of inability to have a child, in human perspective, seemingly hopeless and impossible. But what happened? Elizabeth is pregnant, last we heard. If you are here last Sunday and we are studying the first part of Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth is expecting. And we said last Sunday, and we say it again today, that God keeps his promises. What God says he will do, he will do. And now, our life experience may tell us that God may do this in his own way. Our life experiences may tell us that he will do this in his own timing. But church family, God is true to his word. We can count on him. What seems impossible to us is easy for God. And we'll see that theme that God keeps his promise continuing uh, in, in our, as Luke continues the story here. So last Sunday was the first Sunday of the series. What an exciting start to God's unfolding plan, appearing to Zechariah and Elizabeth and saying you'll have a son, and that son now being on the way, that son being John, who will be the forerunner to Jesus. This, this, uh, this John is the beginnings of the great work that God wants to do among his people. And now we get to continue the story in Luke chapter 1. I'm now at verse 26. In the sixth month, in the sixth month of what? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel, here he is again, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. What? Where? Who? That's what you would feel like if you were originally hearing this. We've heard, if you've been around church for a while, you may have heard the word Nazareth before. The readers of this, huh, where? We'll come back to that. Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Who? Who? I don't know. Obscure, young, in a 
tiny unknown town. Here's the beginning. As God's unfolding rescue plan continues, here is something that we shouldn't just rush past. Here is something completely unexpected. Think about this with me, church family. If you are God and you are and um, unveiling your rescue plan to the world, and you are sending your son into the world, and he is the promised rescuer, what are you going to do? How are you going to go about that? Let's forget, it, it, what, would, what would we think God might do? Or I'll say it this way. If you are sitting down to write a story of the arrival of the king of kings, where would you start? in a big, high-profile, fancy city that everybody knew about, or in Dallas, Oregon? Don't get offended for Dallas yet. <laughs> Nazareth, but, but Nazareth, one of the scholars I read this week said this about Nazareth. Nazareth was not much. Nazareth was unknown. Nazareth was a non-place. Now, again, I said, don't, get too, don't hurry too quickly to be offended for Dallas. I love our great little small town. But let's be honest. When you tell someone from out of the area where you're from, they go, Dallas, Texas? And then when you correct them to Dallas, Oregon, they go, oh, you mean the Dallas? Because they don't know how to pronounce the Dallas. They still don't know what Dallas you're talking about. It's unknown. It's out of the way. We might love it, but it's kind of a non-place. Okay, I'm not trying to hurt Dallas's feelings. My point is I'm trying to get us to relate to where God picked, okay? Where God picked to continue his un and unveil his rescue plan. And what about the who? If we were writing the story of the arrival of King of Kings, who would get to see this news first? The famous people, the celebrities, the wealthy, the important the, real, the major religious leaders, perhaps, that's who this news would come to. Or did he choose for it to come to Mary? Humble. We know of Mary. Humble. And aware of her need for God. That's what we know about Mary. Humble. Ready. Willing. Available. So, the greatest news ever proclaimed, proclaimed in an out-of-the-way place to that out-of-the-way place's most humble of people. That's the way God went about it. And that's good news for me. That's good news for you. The Lord comes to needy people who recognize that they can't make it on their own. Verse 28. And the Lord came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. So this is, the angel, this is still angel Gabriel. Came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one. O graced one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor, literally in the original language, grace with God. You are, this is, a, is a, an important point of clarity. She is a recipient of grace, 
not the giver of grace. The giver of grace bestowed upon her grace. 30, verse 31, and behold, Gabriel said, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Anybody know what the word Jesus means? God saves. God is salvation. And so Gabriel is saying here, Mary, you are the recipient of God's grace. You are the recipient of God's special grace. You are the recipient of God's special presence with you. And, what is, and what's her response there? What have we seen in the passage so far? She responds thoughtfully. She responds thoughtfully and carefully. The original language it, it gives us the idea that she kept pondering. She kept rolling this around. She kept thinking about its meaning because she was humble and willing and ready and available. So she kept thinking about what this angel from God was telling her. She was considering what that might mean for her, what that might require from her. Because she was humble and willing and available. She knew that God might want to work in her, and now is her opportunity to be ready and thoughtful and to keep pondering what God has for her. Verse 32. And Gabriel continues by telling Mary what this baby will be like, what he will be all about. Verse 32. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Church family, can you imagine? Oh, we can't, but let's just try. The angel shows up in an obscure place to an obscure person, but a person who's humble and ready and willing and available. And he has this incredible news. Can you imagine what Mary just absorbed and what she managed to understand? Here, here's, I mean, recapping what Gabriel just came to her with. It's this. It's Mary, you're going to become pregnant. Whoa. We'll get to why she's surprised about that in a moment. That's a big enough deal. You're going to become pregnant. You're going to call your son's name, oh, just salvation. You're going to, he, oh, by the way, your son is going to be the son of God. And oh, let me add just another layer to that. He will be the Messiah, the promised rescuer of God's people. The long-awaited one is coming to us through you. That's the news that uh, Mary just absorbed and understood. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be? since I am a virgin. The, the, the translation that we have there, virgin, in the original language is literally, since I have known no man. There has been no knowing, no interaction with, no engagement with a man. So Mary's response is aware of the birds and bees, aware of and understanding the birds and the bees. She says, well then, how is this going to be? I understand how pregnancy happens, and that's not possible. So, Lord, you must have a way. She, unlike Zechariah, 
who was disbelieving and needed proof and got his mouth sealed shut. Do you remember that from last Sunday? Mary isn't questioning God. She wants to know the mechanics, but she figures he has a way. She's humble and ready and willing and available and absorbs this incredible news, not with disbelief, with faith and with trust, but wondering, what are you going to do, God? How's this going to work? She wonders about the how, but she believes God's power. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit. The angel Gabriel has a really simple answer that we all understand very easily for how she's going to become pregnant. The Gabriel, Gabriel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and there will be a child born and he'll be holy, the Son of God. Simple. Now, just, just important to note, the scholars agree there are no sexual overtones in the language I just read. There, there are no sexual overtones. This was not a sexual experience. No matter what theories you might hear floated, this was not a sexual experience for Mary. The word that is translated overshadowed here is used elsewhere for God's presence, for God's presence coming to be with his people. And so Mary was overshadowed with God's presence, and this becomes known as the virgin birth. This becomes known as the miraculous conception. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what I believe with all my heart of the origin of the God-man, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. What's become known as the virgin birth or the miraculous conception. This is what the Bible teaches. You have an opportunity to believe it, to know that God is good and well capable of bringing about his rescue plan in whatever way he chooses. So why is the virgin birth significant? Well, we could do a whole series of sermons on that, and instead I'm just going to take a couple of minutes. But why is the virgin birth significant? Uh, what is the importance of it? Well, let's look at it this way. Uh, when we taught through the Gospel of Mark a few years ago, the title of the series was God-Man. Because the gospel of of Mark tells the story of Jesus, the God-man. When we sang and worshipped in in Christmas carol language this morning, we often also, we we hear of Jesus called Jesus, the the son being born will be called Jesus, and at Christmas time we also say he will be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel was the fulfillment of a prophecy. He wasn't really intended to be Jesus' uh, called name. But when he, as, it, as in our story this morning, he will be named Jesus, which means God saves. But he was also the fulfillment of a prophecy that says he will be Emmanuel. He will be known as Emmanuel. God with us humans. God in the flesh. God become human. And that's why the virgin birth is significant, because it speaks to God's incredible creative power. I mean, think about what, what, what the angel is telling Mary speaks to the incredible creativity of our God and his ability to create in whatever way he chooses. 
And the other thing that the virgin birth tells us about is the incredible, utter uniqueness of Jesus, the Son of God. There is no one else who is God-man, who is God in the flesh. The virgin birth is a significant theological truth, biblical truth, because it it explains to us how Jesus, the God-man, how Jesus, God with us, came to be. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Conceived by the Holy Spirit says, says to us that from the very beginning, in Mary's womb was divine activity. God at work. The very origin of Jesus is because of God. So, so conceived by the Holy Spirit, it gives us indication of Jesus' God side. But it's not just a side. Let's use careful language. Jesus was fully God. Absolutely God in the flesh, the Son of God among us. Born of a human woman tells us his, about Jesus' humanity. Fully God fully human. Wrap your mind around that, right? But can God do it? Of course. Jesus, fully God, fully human. Why human? To represent us, to identify with us, to be a sacrifice on our behalf. There's so much glorious truth, biblical truth, of the significance of Jesus being fully God and fully man. So much glorious good news wrapped up in uh, what the virgin birth tells us about the reality of Jesus the God-man. All right, so as we ponder the virgin birth, as we ponder the miraculous conception, let's also consider something that we can relate to. The miraculous conception won't be happening with any of you anytime soon. That was a once-in-a-lifetime deal for Mary, and it was God's unfolding plan to send his rescuing, his rest, the promised rescuer, his son. But what, it, but what does the virgin birth remind us of, or what could it teach us about? With Mary, uh, God created new physical life within her, the God-man, as we just got done talking about. For us, for all of us believers, for all of us that have given our lives to Jesus, what we can relate to is that we have new spiritual life created within us by God. The gospel is the spectacular good news that God rescues sinners like me and you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel good news is is what Julie said earlier, but Jesus. We rebel and go our own way, are stuck in our sin and separated from God, but Jesus. But God sent his son to live and die and be raised again so that we might have life and, and the virgin birth reminds us, can remind us of our salvation. We, like Mary, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you've been saved and adopted into God's family through putting your trust in Jesus Christ, we, like Mary, have experienced the presence of God in our life. Yes? And we, like Mary, have experienced the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit coming upon us and creating new life. We have been brought out of the darkness into the light, out of death into life. We have been remade, regenerated, given a new heart and new mind, a new attitude and new desires. We have been made new. We have experienced new life because of Jesus.
Now, uh, so as we finish up the passage here, that news that Mary, think about again about that news that Mary just absorbed. She said, well, how is this going to be since I'm a virgin? And then the angel gave her such a straightforward, understandable answer that would be easy to accept in any situation, I'm sure. And either Mary is remarkably at peace with that explanation because she doesn't have any follow-up questions. So either she's remarkably at peace with this incredible explanation of how she will become a mother, or, or maybe she just can't get in a word, a word edgewise because Gabriel continues. Verse 36. Gabriel continues and says, And behold, you want me to show you how powerful God is? You want, a, you want, a, you want an idea of what's going to happen with you? Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age, in her advanced years, I should say, has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren, who was, past tense, called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So again, this is a theme that God weaves in chapters 1 and 2 of, of the gospel according to Luke. God keeps his promises. What God says he will do, he will do. It might be in his own way, it might be in his own timing, but he is true to his word. And what seems impossible to us is easy for God. Verse 38. This is, what we wanna, this is where we'll end. I want us to really thoughtfully, carefully ponder verse 38, Mary's response. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What an incredible, humble, God-exalting attitude. Mary in this passage is, is the model of discipleship. Her obedience not only makes, because of her obedience, she becomes the mother of God. But, but her obedience, she also becomes a model disciple, a model of a follower of Jesus for us to follow. There's so much in this passage to imitate about Mary's faith. What an incredible reality from in an out-of-way town to its, the humblest of its people. Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She gladly submits herself to God. Her posture is willingness and availability. I didn't... Only God can do stuff like this. Debbie and I didn't talk. And Debbie came up here and said, If you could see my heart this morning, it would be ready. That was Mary. And that's the opportunity that you have, church family, as followers of Jesus, to not just keep walking the road, doing the same things, wondering what it's all about, but to come before the Lord open, humble, willing, available. If we were to rephrase what Mary said, perhaps it would be something like this. Use me as you will, Lord. Use me as you will. I don't feel worthy, adequate, qualified, but I am willing to serve. I am your servant, Lord. Use me as you will. 
I'm here, I'm willing, I'm available, I'm ready for God to work in me, for God to work through me. Imagine her posture there. What's behind that? What's behind her availability to serve? What's, what's behind her willingness to be a servant? It's, it's an understanding that God can be trusted. It's an understanding and expectation that God will guide her. She can put herself in that posture. She can put herself open and willing to do what the Lord says because she believes God. She believes that he's at work for her good and his glory. She believes that he is going to guide and direct her life, that, she won't leave, that he won't leave her. And what else is behind that? What else is behind that posture of openness, of willingness, of use me, Lord, as you see fit? What else is behind that for Mary is knowing that God will make it possible in her. What she feels unworthy for, unqualified for, uh, unprepared for, God can take care of that, right? God, church family, God has called each of you, God has called each of us as followers of Jesus to be ministers of the gospel, to be conduits of his love and proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. God has called every believer in Jesus to minister to the body of Christ and to be evangelists of the good news of Jesus. But before that becomes overwhelming in your mind, know what Mary knew, that he will enable you, that he will empower you, that he will work in you to do what he's called you to do. God does not call us to task that he does not pre prepare us for. God will not call you to something that he won't prepare you for. And follower of Jesus, you're called to live out the ways of Jesus. You're called to live out the ways of Jesus, to be conduits of his love, to be proclaimers of Jesus. And so Mary is a model for us of going wherever God leads, knowing that he will supply whatever is lacking. So I ask you at the beginning, do you know? Do you know that God wants to work in you? Do you know that God wants to work through you? I ask you, are you ready for God to work in you and through you? Are you willing? Are you willing for God to work in you and transform you into the person he wants you to be? Are you willing for God to work through you according to his purposes in the world? When God calls us into his family, when you became a follower of Jesus, when you became a Christian, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when God adopted you into his family, when you came into the Lord's service, when you got on uh, that mission with God, when he called you into his mission to the world, then we had an opportunity. We have an opportunity every day now to respond, to be responsive to his leading. We, we could... We could cast our eyes down and go, I don't know, I don't think I'm ready, I don't think I'm worthy, I'm not qualified, I'm not ready. We could bristle about being called a servant, preferring others to serve us. Or we can set ourselves aside, submit to God, 
recognize that his way is the best way and respond to Jesus by saying, respond to God by saying, I believe, I trust you, I know your ways are best. Use me as you see fit. Father in heaven, thank you for an opportunity to study your word. Father in heaven, thank you for the grace gift of being with church family, of gathering on Sundays to lift our eyes to you. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of church family, those with us this morning and those not with us this morning, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be surrounded by fellow believers. Help us to live as family in our love for one another. And Father God, as we continue to be followers of Jesus who follow Jesus, teach us to submit to Jesus as Lord. God, I pray that our lives would not be about me that our lives would not be about self, that our lives would not be about building our little kingdom of one, that our lives would not be built around other things and people, hoping that other things and people give us what we need. I pray that our lives wouldn't be distracted and focused on other th earthly things, other things in the horizontal. I pray that you would lift our eyes, knowing that our only hope is in the vertical is as we look to Jesus, your son. God, teach us to submit our lives to him. Teach us to live in obedience, not re reluctantly, not grudgingly, but because we know your way is best. God, mold in us a posture like Mary's. Father, move us shape our hearts, give us a new heart, new mind, new attitude that is open and willing and available and ready to follow you wherever you lead. We, we love you, Lord. We need you. Use us as you see fit. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.